Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We are glad that you've joined us. I just love coming into the presence of the King. We've been worshiping the Lord. I pray that you worship him right where you are and we can do that. We know music is a part of that, but certainly that's not the all, all there is to worship. Worship is actually, the Bible says, everything that we do, we should do as an act of worship. So if you're washing dishes today or if you're obviously uh, kind of fixing the bed or whatever, whatever you're doing today, just say, Lord, I offered this to you as an act of worship as we worship the king. He is so good to us. Our testimonies today obviously are very, very uh, powerful in God's sight because we're thanking him for who he is. And certainly that's very important in understanding who he is. And certainly how we obviously find out who he is is through his word. His word speaks to us and we know that obviously through prayer is how we find out who he is. And when we found out who he is, we know that he is good and he is good all the time. So I pray that you'll see the goodness of the Lord. Actually, the scriptures talk about it. David said, I know I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he's saying, I know God is good. And I pray that God would actually reveal himself in that manner to you. So let's begin with prayer as we begin before we start teaching from the word of God. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's an awesome, wonderful day. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, and invite your spirit here. I ask you, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. You are here. We open our hearts to you. We fling wide the doors of this church to you. I ask you to come on in, touch us and speak to us. Heal us, deliver us, Lord. And Father, if there need to be salvation in this place today, because knowing that we have that certainty of knowing when we take our last breath that we'll go into the presence of the King, Jesus, and live forever and ever and ever. So Lord, anyone watching this or anyone in this congregation today that may be in that just not sure today, Lord, that truly that certainty would come about in their hearts because of your presence in our lives. We love you, Lord. We praise you. This is your word. This is your truth. So we ask you today, Lord, let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth. Touch our hearts, dear Lord, and ask that you would speak because, Lord, what you say is most important. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, we're going to talk about the solution to our dilemma. Dash prayer. What is the solution to our dilemma? We talked about the different needs here and Kathy earlier said, hey, we've had a rough week. We've had some challenges and uh, certainly we know that's the truth. And um, I'm going to read here uh, from Mark chapter 14. Okay, here we go. We're going to look at verses 32 through 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you, but take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
once more he went away and he prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, I was looking as I was reading this too, is that I could, I guess, speak several sermons from this passage alone. This is when Jesus was getting ready to go to the Calvary to die for the sins of the world. And he's actually praying to the Father. And there is a tension in his innermost being. And knowing what he was going to have to face, knowing physically, because he was man and God, but he would experience the things that man would experience, actually. When the nails went in his hand, actually it would be the same as how we would feel that also. He did not go to the cross as God. He went as a man. He was deity. He's God, yes. But he experienced the same things that you and I experienced while he walked on this earth. And so he was struggling with that. He knew what he was going to face. And talked about in Sunday school this morning that actually the crucifixion was one of the most worst ways of execution. Today you obviously are, have a needle, IV in your arm, and uh, that you pass away as a result of that from that particular uh, medication. And, and certainly you just go to sleep and all. And then the electric chair we talked about. Many of obvious, all of us in here remember when the electric chair was uh, a time in our particular history that they used too also. But during this time, the time when the Romans ruled, they actually had this crucifixion where they nailed people, criminals, to the cross. And we know the story there. And actually, it is a horrendous death. Actually, it's the hardest type of death, I guess, in any way of execution here. So Jesus knew that he was going to go, have to go through this. He knew that. But what did he say here in the scriptures? He said, not my will, but your will be done. He said, take this cup from me, Father, if it's possible. But he knew that he had to bear the sins of the world. He had to take on my sins and your sins upon him so that we would not bear those sins because we didn't have any redemption in us. We knew that obviously our depravity, we knew there was nothing in us that was of any value in that sense. And knowing that we could not do that, we could not save ourselves from our sins. We needed a redeemer. His name is Jesus to come and die for our sins and the sins of the world. That's the good news. And that this particular quote, if you call it religion, it's actually a relationship. It's like no other relationship that there ever has been. Most religions actually are based upon how much you do. And then when you get before your maker or your judge, then you're judged as to how the scales balance. Did you do more than for the good than you did for the bad? And, and yet the pe- person doesn't know. Did I do enough good here to be able to outweigh the bad and, and so forth and all? But you see, Christianity is by grace, unmerited favor. We cannot earn it. It's a free gift. Unmerited favor by grace through faith and putting our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's all. That's it. Isn't that good news? I'm telling you. Because I want to tell you, although we may do some good works, according to the book of Isaiah, is even our best works are like filthy rags in God's sight. Why? It's because he's a holy God. And all our works have some type of blemish in it. It may be an impure motive. It may be something that's in there that can't approach God, who is completely holy. But Jesus Christ paid the way. That's the greatest, obviously, gift there ever has been or ever will be. 
and knowing when we leave this world that we will go into the presence of the Lord. You're saved here today. You have said, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but I accept you. I believe you. And I believe you're the only way to heaven. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But come into my life and save me and be my personal Lord and Savior. Only way. All the others are by works. I can't do enough to be able to make my way to heaven and neither can you. It is by grace through faith. Jesus knew he would have to go and pay the price. And so he was struggling. So when we talk about this particular message today, I want to talk about that solution to our dilemma. We have dilemmas, don't we, in life? What is the solution if you get down to it? And I put beside it here as Lynette set this up, prayer. Prayer is our solution. And I want to talk about that today. I believe we are in a time of history as well as any time, but certainly now. I don't know about you, but we need to pray like we never had prayed before. Amen. And every time I revisit this particular subject, I'm reminded of that. I need to pray, not just talk about it, but to actually do it. And that's what we're talking about today. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul told the church to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means don't stop praying. Keep on praying. Certainly, yeah, the easiest thing in the world is to neglect is prayer. That's certainly because our daily responsibilities and cares come in and push prayer out. It keeps us from doing that. We get busy and get our minds on other things. There's nothing wrong with doing other things we need to do. But we need to set prayer as a priority. We need to obviously put that in first place in our lives because prayer is powerful. What does this country need? It needs prayer. What do our leaders need? Prayer. What does obviously the situation with our COVID situation? We need prayer. We need to pray for our neighborhoods. We need to pray for our cities. We need to pray for this nation called the United States of America. We need to pray because something happens when you pray. But what we will talk about today is what happens if you don't pray. And in this scripture, it actually talks about that here. I do believe most churches in America, America could scarcely be called a house of prayer. Because Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Did he say, my house should be called a house of entertainment or a, a, a house where you come in and kind of indulge in this, a, a house of even fellowship, although fellowship is good. No, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And yet today we don't see that actually being a priority in our lives. You said, you see, it's prayer that sustained the early church through the persecutions. It's prayer that's sustaining people over there in uh, Afghanistan in Iran, Iran and Iraq, people are praying. And in China, communist China, it is prayer, the underground church in China that actually is, is praying continually. And I guarantee you, these people pray for hours upon hours. And then even in North Korea and South Korea, in South Korea, they're probably some of the largest churches there in, in, a, uh, in, the, in the world. And they're praying today. They actually have places out on the mountainside where they go and get tucked away for hours and pray and pray that God would send his spirit and revive the world. Because today, Jesus is the only answer. Yeah, we need vaccines and we need the cures and so Regeneron and we need all this other stuff. But we need Jesus in our church today. We need Jesus to come back in our country today. He is the answer. It is Jesus plus nothing, minus nothing. It is all about him. It will one day all evolve into him and we will face him face to face. Day, really, are we ready? Have we been watching? He said, watch and pray. And what happened with his disciples? They slept, didn't they? 
Their eyes were heavy. They were sleepy. And he knows we need rest. But he's actually putting before us a priority today in how we are to operate in life here. During that time when the first church was actually there beginning to start, they were under assault. Believe it or not, Christians are under assault today. If you start talking about Jesus and your relationship with Jesus, people will turn away. People will reject you. People may walk away from you. But there are some that will say yes to you and look and say, I need what he's talking about or she's talking about. You see, we need prayer. In Isaiah 56, the, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But he said, you've made it, made it a den of thieves here. And so we must be very careful that we're not making God's house into something other than a house of prayer. That should be a priority here. So I want to encourage you towards prayer in two ways. First of all, I want to talk to you what happens when you don't pray and you think about what's happening here. The disciples weren't praying. They were not ready. And so what happened was they obviously walked away from Jesus at that time. They were under assault. They were under persecution. You remember what happened to big old Peter? He was a he was a, just a burly old man and he was strong and and all that a fisherman and so forth. And a little teenage girl came along and said, I saw you with that man, Jesus. And remember, he was so afraid because he was afraid that they would come and actually try to crucify him. He said, no, I wasn't with you. You haven't seen me. He denied Jesus, remember? He was not praying. What did they do? They slept. He said, obviously, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing in our lives today, folks. But yet, obviously, our flesh is weak. We don't want, we don't want to spend that time. We don't want to discipline ourselves to pray and to call upon the name of the Lord, you see. Because many times, we don't even see that there is any need. On Wednesday night, we're studying about the book of in the book of Revelation, the seven churches that Jesus went through and examined them and exhorted some, and, and then he brought correction in their lives. And the last church that we're studying here, the seventh church, is the church at Laodicea. And actually, they're saying, we're rich. We got everything we need. We don't need you. And remember what Jesus did? He brought correction in their lives. And he said, oh, yes, you do. He said, you don't realize it, but you are blind, naked, and you're without anything. You don't have anything. You see, they didn't even realize they had a need. You see, the beginning of prayer is realizing we have a need and realizing where that need comes from. Our Heavenly Father. That's where it begins. But we've got to begin by recognizing that need. These uh, disciples, they didn't understand it and they weren't prepared. And what happened? They all collapsed. If we don't pray, we will collapse. We will not be able to make it. The devil is too strong for us. But we know the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not weapons like guns and, and, and knives and swords and all that. It's prayer. The weapon that you and I have is prayer. We ask the Lord. And, you know, we'll talk about it today a little bit, too, on whether or not you think, well, I can't pray like you pray. Or I can't pray like somebody else prays or whatever it may be. But when you bow your head and you recognize your need and you call upon the name of the Lord, I want to tell you something supernatural happens. And this is what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples here because he said in verse 38, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation for what is coming tomorrow. You see, when we don't pray, we'll enter into temptation. How many of you realize that when we don't pray that temptation comes and we don't have the strength to be able to say no, and walk away from it. We just don't have it within us. But that power is infused within us. So we could use that word, I guess. In that, as God begins to display and obviously work through us, 
through that time of temptation, when the temptation comes, and you say, yeah, but it's just little temptations, just little things. But see, a little bit of compromise eventually winds up into a big amount of compromise. And before long, we're distant from the Lord because we have not prayed. We need to pray. God will answer our prayers if we pray here. So prayer clothes us for battle. How many of you know that we're in a battle here in this country? Raise your hand. We are in a battle. We're in spiritual warfare, folks, in this country for the soul of this nation, for the soul of our families, for the soul of our schools today, for the soul of what's going on today in America. We are in a war today. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says something very significant here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. This is not obviously coming as a surprise to God and shouldn't come as a surprise to us. It is an evilness that's coming across this land. Cindy and I were talking about it. I've never seen people as so evil in all my life. Open your eyes. You'll see it today. They're evil. They don't have a conscience. And they lie. And they never, ever even tell the truth. And it never phases them. We're in an evil time. And unless we watch and pray, unless we put that full armor of God on, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, we will not be prepared. And so what Jesus was saying here, folks, the disciples, he's saying, watch and pray. But what happened? They all collapsed. Every one of them. Why? Because they fell asleep. And again, nothing wrong. Jesus is saying that, that there's a time. Yes, we need to sleep. Yes. But he's saying today is we need to discipline ourselves for the battle. We need to obviously be ready for this that's coming, this assault that's coming, coming about because we're talking about a lifestyle of prayer and keep us equipped so that when the evil day doesn't blindside us. And always in Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. I wrote this, prayer will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer. It will. Prayer will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from prayer. One or the other. See, this is not a Reader's Digest suggestion. This is the Word of God. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, I want you to be equipped to know how to stand during this time of evilness that's going around. I want to show you because, see, we're his ambassadors. We're the light here. Jesus is light in and through us. But obviously, we won't stand if we don't pray. We need to pray more. And you see, I will pray. God, give us grace to pray like we've never prayed before. Give us grace to put the things down that are not quite as important, obviously, and help us to pray. By and large, I believe we've got a prayerless church in America. It's not being watchful. We have a lot of things and people are building big churches and all these things are happening, the activity. Nothing wrong with that. But when that takes the priority over prayer, then it's not according to the Word of God. Because according to the Word of God, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Not again, a house of entertainment, a house of anything else except the house of prayer. We need to pray. And we need to pray like we never have before. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, how shall we escape if we neglect 
so great a salvation. You neglect your relationship with Jesus Christ and you're in trouble. You neglect the priority that we know we need to have in our lives when our relationship with God and we're in trouble. You will fall into temptation. That won't be as important to you as maybe just making money or just trying to make ends meet or just trying to get through the day. Whatever it may be, it can come in and usurp Jesus' position and, and position in our lives. That's true. And it happens very subtly. And then rest of the verse 38 here, I believe it's saying something significant. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh or the body is weak here. We won't sleep. We won't sleep. I'm tired. I'm weary. And yes, we know we get tired and weary. But we need to take time, wherever that may be, in your life and my life, that we can pray, certainly here. Because what happens is you'll let the desires of the flesh take over. We've talked about in the last few weeks, walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit. Because if not, if you're not walking in the Spirit, then you'll obviously fulfill the desires of the flesh. You're going to be in one place or the other. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. And it may be that you're just, well, Jim, I'm kind of neutral about all this stuff. You can't be neutral here. There's no neutrality in the life of a Christian. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. One or the other. Either you're growing in Christ or you're actually moving backwards in your relationship with Jesus. There's no neutrality here. We need to press into God and we need to seek Him with all of our hearts. The Bible says there in Jeremiah chapter 29, if you seek me with all of your heart, then He will be found by us. But you have to seek him. You've got to take the step. God is a gentleman in that sense. He won't press himself on us. He will not force us to do anything. It's our choice of whether or not we will pray or not. You need to pray for your families. Do you have family members that are not saved? Do you have people today that need, obviously they've got things in their lives and you realize it and you want them delivered of it? You know, you may be instrumental to person, just that one person that's used by God Almighty to deliver that person from that sin, from that, that particular situation that they're in. It may be. Probably I've always said when I was a youngster and I was not walking with the Lord at that particular time, and many times as I look back, I realize that God could have called me home. Somebody's praying for me, okay? Have you got the same situation in your life today? Praying for somebody, you know? I realize that maybe some of us can look back and say, thank God, God didn't take me home at that time. Somebody was praying for me. And I believe it's that power's release when somebody does pray for us. It is very powerful and it's very important here. When we fail to pray, obviously, we're sleepy. Seems like a good excuse, but they fell into temptation. This is the word of God. They were defeated. I don't want to be defeated. I want the victory in Jesus. I want to experience that victory every day. And I know you do also here. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says that Jesus speaks a parable unto them. And that this end, that man ought to always pray and not think. What does that mean? That means if you're praying, then you're praying, you're pressing in. But the other side of that, you're fainting. What's that mean? Obviously, it means to, to be weary, to lose heart, to behave badly or turn coward. He says fainting here. It's only two possibilities. Either you're praying or you're fainting. One or the other. Can't be any in between again. Not a whole lot of uh, shady areas in the kingdom of God. One or the other is taking place here. Don't think that the person, obviously, who can quickly put on his armor during the battle, catch up at the last minute. When, obviously, everything breaks loose around you, it's too late. Obviously, God helps us, thank God, and His grace is really great, wonderful. Thank you, Lord, you do it when we don't deserve it. But we need to be prepared. 
I guarantee you, all of you here today know we need to be prepared. I don't know what, obviously, the next year will take place, 2022. They say this and that. I have no idea. But things have not been like I thought they would be, certainly. And they probably haven't been like what you thought they would be. Like we're getting older. The uh, aches and pains are increasing, aren't they? They are. It's like, Lord, what in the world do you have in store for me? I'm having more aches and pains now than I've ever had in my life and all that. We don't know. We need to be prepared. Be prepared and pray. Pray for people. But certainly, I want to ask you, I want to share what happens when you do pray. There's a good side of it here. Obviously, in Luke 11, the disciples uh, watched Jesus pray. They observed. Jesus modeled for them how we are to do it also. But remember, he opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the lame. He raised the dead. He did all these miracles, you see. The disciples saw him do that. Why? It's because Jesus got along with the Father all the time and sought the Father's heart and prayed for people and prayed for himself that he would have the strength to be able to go through the persecution that he went through, the rejection that he went through, obviously the physical things that he would have to go through, obviously. And he said here, they asked him, Lord, Teach us how to, to pray. And they didn't say how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. He's saying, teach us to pray. It's important, certainly here. Jesus' answers to that request gives us a good reason to pray and instructs us on how to proceed. He taught us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you think about it, I want you, you may pray that prayer at various times, not just here openly in church, but you may pray that. I want you to linger on our father. He said, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. He had a tenderness towards the father. He knew that. And see, he has given us that by his spirit. We have Abba, Abba Father, talks about it in Romans chapter 8. Daddy, God, it's real tender. It's real intimate. Our father, you know what I'm going through. You know, Lord, the answer to my dilemma. You know the solution here, Lord. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I praise you right now, Lord, for who you are. I give you the glory, give you the honor. I know you hear me when I pray. I know that you'll do something in this situation that is overwhelming to me right now, Father. My Father, our Father. So he taught him that. A real intimate moment as he taught his, his disciples how to pray. You see, the confidence that that we have in prayer, we'll, that we'll get the answer here is not found in how hard I pray or how long I pray or certainly as the preacher prays for you or whatever, those things are all good or somebody else. But when you pray for yourself, have confidence in God. He hears us. He loves to hear us pray. He loves us to talk to Him. It's a relationship. It's communion. It's fellowship with Him. And He loves that. And He wants that. He beckons that. He just yearns for that. He won't interfere and cause you to do it, we make the choice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you know that intimacy? When I say this today, does it touch your heart to say, I know that intimacy. I know, Abba, I know my Father. He's like a daddy to me. Certainly, He's God, but so intimate. And actually, that word is, is displaying that we have an intimacy with Him beyond what we can imagine here. And obviously, we've got to begin prayer with the assurance of goodwill from God as our Heavenly Father. You've got to understand, when you start your prayers, you've got to know God wants to answer it. You know, everybody know that here? You start your prayer, 
you're shooting a prayer up, you're on the way to work or whatever it may be that you're doing or your activity during the day, you, you know, shoot a prayer up and so forth. Do you know it is obviously God wants goodwill for you and me? He wants to bless you and me. He wants to answer our prayers. He will do that. He will do something supernatural. Some time ago, I was facing some real challenges. And I was praying for, for, for wisdom. I was praying to the Lord about it. And I didn't sit down with long, just kind of theological prayers like you think. I was just praying, just talking to him. Lord, I need help here. I need you to show me what to do here in this situation. Every day, one day, next day, the next day, every day there was an answer to my prayer. I had to see it and I had to receive it. But God did that. You see, and it wasn't because I'm a pastor. He does that for you. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. He wants us to talk to him. Isn't that good news? He just wants us to ask him. Is this encouraging today? This is encouraging to me. That God wants to answer our prayers. He's Abba Father here. And so when you begin to pray, don't run past and dressing too quickly here. Stop for a minute. Obviously, you have the favor of God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're not worthy in yourself. But if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you've been made worthy because of his shed blood. The remission of sins. He has cleansed you. He's washed you. And he wants to hear your prayers. He longs to hear you. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. So I ask you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying here, don't you know? Now, we're not evil in that sense. You're saved. But he's making a comparison here that you're not obviously on the same level and I'm not on the same level as God. But if my child asks for bread or my child asks for something, do you think I'm going to give my child a scorpion and so forth and all? Well, he said no. Then obviously as a earthly father, an earthly mother, then he's saying I'm so much higher than you. If you wouldn't do that, why do you think I would? So he's saying he wants to give us good gifts. He wants us to know that he is a good God. He is good all the time. He never changes. And that's the comparison here that we know when we pray. A father's already, already favorably inclined to his children. He wants the best for them. You know, when I was young, Allison, uh, when I was younger, and, and Cindy and I, we would watch Allison open her gifts at Christmas time. Okay. She would open them. I just got such a kick out of it. I don't care what I got. Still don't. It's fine. I, God blessed me so much. I don't care. But I would get such pleasure out of watching Allison open the Christmas gifts. And she had a way of knowing and looking at it and guessing what it was and so forth. And we'd sit there. And I want to tell you, that was the greatest blessing there was. Whatever I got, that's great and so forth. But my blessing came from watching her open her gifts. And I am an earthly father. Don't you know our Heavenly Father loves us so much more? He loves those gifts that He gives us. And we open those gifts that answer prayer to help us in life. Oh, He is pleased. 
He is so blessed when we do that. Don't you know his heart is elated, just jumps with joy when we obviously open that gift and say, Father, thank you for taking care of my son or my daughter or my my family member or this person in the marketplace or whatever it may be. That's what it's all about, you see. Jesus said, do not fear, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God delights in blessing his children. He wants the very best for you and me. We've got to believe that. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, says in the book of Revelation, he goes before the throne of grace accusing you day and night. You're not worth it, don't you know? You squandered the last gift that God gave you and you think he's going to answer your prayers again. Or maybe you sinned in one way or another and he's not going to bless you. He's not going to do anything for you. That's a lie. He blesses his children. He wants to. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him, you see? Most importantly here, He's our peace. He's our wisdom. Through Him, Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctify, sanctification, and wisdom. He supplies the healing for our bodies based upon what the Word of God says here. He gives us answers and understanding we can never develop on our own. He helps us in our infirmities. When we don't know what or how to pray, he makes intercession for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now praying for you and me. Do you believe it? He is praying for me and you. Hallelujah. He's praying for me. He's praying for me right now because he knows. He's saying, Jim, if I'm not praying for you, you're not going to be able to preach today. Thank you, Lord. You're praying for me, okay? I can't do it without him. But he's praying for you. If you come through something in your life, which I have, and maybe you have too, all of us, then I know other people are praying for you and God used them, but that Jesus prayed for you and he's still praying for you today. He never stops. He ever makes intercession for those that he loves. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Don't you know that's the truth? In the darkest moments that we have in life, he comes through. And he shines his light on our hearts and lifts us up out of that pit of despair and says, hey, I got plans for you. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. I love you and I'll never stop loving you. That's who our God is. That's why we pray. I say you ask and it'll be given. You got to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we don't ask. Sometimes we just let it go. But we need to know. That when we ask, something's going to happen here because we humble ourselves and recognize that we're in need. Listen to this story. I love this story. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. Jesus gave the story of the man whose friend was coming to his house and he had nothing to feed his guests. So in the middle of the night, he goes and wakes up his neighbor and asks him to give him bread to feed his guests. And the neighbor tells him to go away. My family and I are already in bed and I can't help you. But then Jesus adds in verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give you to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And that word persistence means endurance. Now, God's not like this because he's so ready to give us what we need. But he's making a comparison here. He's saying here, a man goes and knocks on the door. It's at night. And the man comes, and even as a friend, he's saying, hey, go away, my family. We're already in the bed. I'm not going to help you, and so forth. He went on. And that man keeps on knocking, keeps on. And knowing that that man says, he's not going to leave until I give him what he needs, obviously. The man opens the door and gives him what he needs because he persisted in his prayers. 
But it's kind of the kind, it's actually the opposite as far as our father. We just come before him and, and say, Daddy God, I need this. Please help me. Please help me. You see, in that relationship, that's who he is. But in this story, it's like you keep on praying. And sometimes we don't get an answer right away. And sometimes God says, yes, I'll answer it. Sometimes he says, no, because it's not good for us. And sometimes he says, wait. He said, it's not right for right now. But God hears us when we pray. He's here right now. He never leaves us, nor he forsakes us. He said, I will be with you. That means he's here right now. Isn't that great? You're like, Lord, open the eyes of our heart. We may see you. And he is here right now. He's with you when you get in your car out here and you go home. He's in your home when you get there. The Bible says that it's actually provenient grace that goes ahead of us. He's in tomorrow already working things out on, on your behalf, his behalf, obviously, and what he has for you. He's in next weekend. He's already working out by his grace what is going to happen in your life. He's working it out. He's God. Hallelujah. And yet he wants us and calls us into a relationship with him. It boggles my mind. I can't understand it. Pray. Have that com communion with our Father. You see, Father who no reluctance at all in answering prayer. He says, it is your Father's good pleasure. What? To give you the kingdom. <laughs> wow. Wow. God wants us to understand something. He's longing to give us more. There's not any shortages in his storehouse. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3 or 2. However, we've got to obviously get about the business of asking. And the question is, will we pray or won't we pray? I believe that the prayers of God's people will hold off the powers of darkness over your family, over our churches, over this country called the United States of America. I believe that the church rallies and prays. I believe it will hold back those forces of darkness. Now, don't get me wrong. When I see things happening, I'm going, Lord, it doesn't look like it. But you don't stop praying because you know in the right time, God comes through. And God can do exceedingly abundantly more than all we think or ask. Because we know that He is able. He's God Almighty. And that relationship, we've got to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's what faith is. Believing God, no matter what you see, you see. It's in God's presence that transformed, transformation occurs in our lives here. In the presence of the king. In the presence of Jehovah. That's when we're changed, you see. His goodness is there. And we're changed from glory to glory. We're changed when that happens. This poem says it like this. Show me thy faith, one transient gleam of lovely, loveliness divine, and I shall never think or dream of other love save thine. All lesser light will darken quite, all lower glories wane. The beautiful of earth will scarce seem beautiful again. Show me thy face, my faith and love shall henceforth fixed be. And nothing here have power to move my soul's serenity. My life shall seem a trance, a dream. And all I feel and see, elusive, visionary, thou the one reality. Everybody in this room is as close to the Lord as they want to be. You believe that? I'm as close to the Lord as I want to be. There's no limit to our God, folks. There's no limit to what he will do in a 
in our lives individually and also as a church who will pray and call upon his name. I was praying the other day because I've been praying for revival because Jesus is the only answer. And I want to see souls saved in a magnitude that the world has never known. I believe that one day that will happen. I do believe that there will be. The prophetic words have been that there will be, you know, billion souls saved. So there'll be people coming into the kingdom. But, you know, when the disciples said, hey, let us wait. The harvest is not quite ready. And Jesus said, the harvest is ready right now. He's saying right now. He said, don't wait. And then I was praying and I said, Lord, I don't see any signs of it. I don't I don't see anything that's really happening in regards to people really being hungry after the things of God. And maybe you feel the same way. But I want to tell you, that should really spur us on to pray more diligently than what we are. Because prayer is powerful and prayer, prayer will break that off of those people who feel like that there's no hope. Certainly that they have no hope. Because they don't if they don't have Jesus. But we have hope. We have hope and we don't give up. And I was praying that and I was praying, Lord, whatever. I said, Lord, but begin with me. Okay. I know I want to see it worldwide. I want to see a move of your spirit. And I want to see it in the church. Just obviously the glory of God to fall in this place like we've never known before. But Lord, here, begin with me. Now, I know we can do that. And I know God is very faithful in that respect, don't you? I know that. And our God will be. So the question is, are we going to pray? We have two questions, two decisions to pray or not to pray. One or the other, we make the choice. It's not necessarily, obviously, that we go, well, I don't have time or whatever. You get, you have time. I waste more time than what I obviously in construction. I want to tell you, plenty of time. I waste more time. They call it the boob tube. TV. TV, radio, all this stuff out there clamoring for our attention. And Jesus is standing. The Bible says in Revelation chapter three, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door. I'll come in and I'll sup with him and he with me. And you can dine with Jesus Christ if you open a door. Good old Baptist background that I have. Always said that is certainly for those who don't know salvation. But I believe it's also most importantly for those who are saved. Do you need to open your heart's door today? And you need to say, come on in. You hear him knocking and saying, come on in. You realize, hey, Lord, my life is not just what I want it to be in relationship to you. And you feel that knocking. You feel it's just a prick of your conscience going, Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray without ceasing. I want to. And I open the heart of my door, my, the door of my heart, and ask you to come in. Flood my heart with your love and your goodness. Can we do that today? We can do that. Amen. We can do that. None of us have arrived, have we? You know, the thing is, it's kind of a paradoxical statement that, hey, um, <clears throat> I have the Lord and you have the Lord because you're, if you're saved here today. You have the Lord in you, but yet on the other side of that, you're hungry for more. You want more? You say more, Lord, more. I'm not satisfied here with that. And it sounds contradictory, but it's not in the kingdom of God. I want more, Lord. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus 
He had just got through saying, Lord, open my heart. Get, you know, minister to my inner man that I'll know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Don't you know that love would blow us away? One day we'll see that love face to face. Picture of love when we look Jesus Christ into the faith in, in his face, face to face. And then you go, how can that be? And then he says to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask. He said, you doubt him? I'll tell you who God is. I want you to know that experientially. That he's way beyond what we can imagine. But it takes prayer. It takes relationship. It takes us stepping out and putting him first. We've got to be first. Everything else is jockeying for first place, isn't it? Everything. Even the worry of COVID. Even the fear that we've talked about that God didn't call us to fear. Obviously, be careful. But we, he didn't call us to be afraid. He calls us to step out and get out of the boat. Remember what happened when Jesus was walking to Peter on the, on the water? And it was rough. The seas were rough. And, and Peter uh, said, Lord, is that you? He said, if that's you, then I'm going to come to you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat. Remember again to walk in on the waves, walk on the water. And then he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And what did Jesus do? He went over there and picked him up. He didn't drown. Isn't that good news? Now look, this story actually happened, folks. This is not mythology. This is not a fairy tale. This actually happened a little over 2,000 years ago. Peter got out of that boat and walked towards Jesus because he had faith in who Jesus was, okay? He said, I know. I'll walk out. The issue is, are we going to get out of the boat? We're going to believe God for great things for this country and for your family. You're going to believe for that neighbor who's not saved or that person that you obviously have a close relationship, maybe family or whatever, and believe that they're going to be saved. And I'm going to stay the course and praying for that one until I see salvation come forth in that person's life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to believe it. Most important, the greatest gift there's ever been or will be is eternal life to Jesus Christ because that's eternity. Eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. Let's bow your heads for prayer. Thank you, Father. We want to pray, Lord, and I know I'm saying right now, right with me. Help me to pray. Help me to, Lord, beseech you, call upon you and cry out to you for my, Lord, my life and my family and for our city and our country, dear Lord, and around the world, Afghanistan and all the countries, Lord, all over the world today that are struggling. Lord, we can pray and intercede, but dear God, today we intercede for your church. We pray for here, Lighthouse Fellowship, as well as all the other churches here, the body of Christ, that dear God, we would be revived. That we would, Lord, stand in the gap for this country, dear Lord, and intercede and say, Lord, please have mercy upon us. We ask you forgiveness. We ask you, Lord, give us that grace to repent and to have godly sorrow. To have that which, Lord, we know only you can give by your hand of mercy and grace. And dear God, have mercy upon us. And Lord, today, get us on the right path. Because, Lord, we realize we've strayed. Lord, give that grace. Even today, drop that grace in our hearts, dear Lord, that we may pray like we've never prayed before. 
Lord, we need revival. We need an awakening. We need people to come to Jesus. We have family members. We have neighbors. We have people across the street. We have people down the road. We have people that we meet every day have no idea. that salvation only comes through one man. His name is Jesus. I pray to our dear Lord, help us stir that down in our hearts. Lord, drop that grace in our hearts this day. And set that our hearts ablaze for you. And Lord, today we pray that we wouldn't sleep. We sleep when we know we need to. But dear God, today we would not be lackadaisical in our relationship with you. Forgive us for being laissez-faire. And Lord, give us a passion. Impart that Holy Spirit this day. My heart, my heart, and the hearts of every person here. May Jesus Christ be honored, glorified forever and ever. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. I want to ask you, if there's somebody here or there's somebody watching this who's never really received Jesus, they've never, you don't know when you die or take your last breath, where you're going. You're not sure of it. Make it certain today. Nail it down and say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I'm a sinner. And I believe, Jesus, you died for my sins. Come in and complete, save me that I would know that I know that I know that when I die, I will know and I'll go to heaven to be with you forever and ever and I'll live forevermore. If there's somebody here, somebody watching this, don't leave this place today without getting it straight. Don't leave this place. Don't walk away from your computer or how you're watching this without receiving, believing. Putting your faith and trust with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, bless. Bless those watching. Bless this congregation. And thank you again for your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come back next week. There's going to be talking like prayer about different ways of prayer. Remember, asking it shall be given. You will receive. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be opened. So we're seeking, we're praying. Don't give up praying. Don't, don't give up because you haven't seen the immediate answer. God wants to answer your prayers and wants to bless us. He will reveal himself many times through that when a miracle comes. A miracle comes. A miracle that God Almighty, the one who spoke and creation came into being. All the planets and all, all the stars, everything was put in the right place when he spoke the word of God. And he wants to have a relationship with you, each one of us. See you next week. Pray, keep praying for our country. Keep praying for your families. Pray for yourself. And know that God listens. And he wants to bless your life. Thank you. Come back to see us. God bless. Amen.